Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. So we had been discussing chapter 8, Aksara Brahma Yoga, Yoga of Imperishable Brahman, Yoga of Fundamental Reality, which is imperishable. The reality which I live in is conjured up by my mind, my reason create the world of sight, and so on and so forth. All my five senses created the world I live in, which has forms and colors. This world is real to me, but I also have recognized that it contains pleasure and pain. If I want to avoid pain, then I also have to avoid pleasure. In other words, I have to transcend the world which has pleasure and pain. So during my waking and dream, I live in the world of objects with forms and objects with colors. But in my deep sleep, there is no world of form and color but a pure existence. That existence is what I want to understand. That existence, which is not the existence of this or that, but the existence itself is the subject of this chapter. So we started out this chapter with Bhagavan explaining the Aksaram Brahma Paramam. That Supreme Brahman is imperishable. That pure existence which you are thinking about is that Supreme Brahman. And he said, Antakalecha mameva smaranam uktva kalevaram ya prayati madbhavam yati. Who understands that reality? When you come to that point where you are ending this existence, living in this world of forms and colors, then one who remembers me as the pure existence without any forms, without any colors, one who leaves this the relative existence in this world, then he achieves my state of being. He becomes existence itself. That's the statement in the beginning of this chapter. And therefore the advice given by Bhagavan is Tasmat Sarveshu Kaleshu Mam Anusmara. Therefore, all times you remember me. That is the gist of this chapter. That if you keep that in mind all throughout your life, that the world which I live in and the identity which I have created is a relative existence, relative to this world of names and forms. You remove all the names and forms, my existence at this individual being also does not exist. And therefore, if I want to identify with that existence, how do I identify? So in the last few verses we have seen avyaktaha aksaraha iti uktaha tam ahuhu paramam gatim which is called unmanifest and the imperishable that they say is the highest goal. So the goal is given for the human life. We have evolved from a single cell amoeba to where we are. It's a very complex being 
which has intellect for their existence. The highest goal is unmanifest in the imperishable. So in this world, there are manifest objects which are forms. There are unmanifest objects which are formless but latent form. They both are part of this world of matter, world of Prakriti. But there is another unmanifest which is beyond this unmanifest. And Bhagavan said, that is the highest goal. Yam prapyam na nivartante tadhamo paramamama. Reaching that goal, one does not return back to this relative reality. This reality is relative to my mind and intellect. As long as my mind and intellect are available, this reality as I consider this prakriti in the world exists. When there is no mind and no intellect, there is no world and there is no prakriti. And therefore Bhagavan said, Yam prapya na nivartante. Having reached that state of transcending the mind and intellect, one reaches that state where he does not return. That's the goal of life. And then in the next three verses, then Bhagavan explains what are the options available to us. He said, Purusaha sahapartha bhaktya labhyatu ananyaya yasyantaha sthani bhutani yena sarvam idam tatam. That fundamental reality in which all beings are residing, yasyantaha sthani bhutani. All the beings which I perceive and see, they are residing in that ultimate reality which we have discussed in the previous verse. Yena sarvam idam tatam, by which everything is pervaded. That fundamental reality is all pervading and ever existing. Anything that exists, exists in that supreme existence only. My existence is borrowed from that universal existence. The existence of the world which I perceive is nothing but borrowed from the supreme existence because that is the existence. The space in all the buildings all over this planet is nothing but the space borrowed from the universal space. So you can say all buildings are residing in the universal space. Bhagavan said, Yasyantahas Thani Bhutani in whose self all beings are residing. Yenam sarvam idam tatam. Just as the universal space is all pervading, that ultimate reality is all pervading. Purusa sahapartha bhaktya labhya. A person with ananya bhakti, with unswerving devotion, can achieve that state. That purusa is attainable by unswerving devotion. The devotion is love for the divine. The love for that pure existence is my devotion to that pure existence. And love is nothing but identification. Therefore, my identification with that supreme being will enable me to achieve that state of supreme being. Purusahasa partha bhaktya labhya to ananyaya, unswerving. In other words, if I have a doubt 
about that, then it is not possible. If I identify with this and also that, that is also not possible. These two identifications cannot exist together. Either I exist as this limited me or I can exist as that all-pervading me. So Bhagavan said that it is possible for people who have that unswerving devotion, that untainted identification for that person, it is possible to attain the state of imperishable being. And then in the next verse, Yatra kale tu anavruttim avruttim cha eva yoginaha prayata yanti tam kalam vakshami bharatarsakur. And I also will tell you, in the time which a yogi departs and how that affects the destination of the yogi, by which time the yogi departs and he returns back to this world and which time he departs that he does not return. He goes to the state of non-return that I will tell you in brief. So here the Kala is confusing to us. But this Kala actually defines path as Swamiji has described. So I can think of a couple of examples in my own life. If I want to go to New York, and New York is my favorite destination, I go to the airport and there are two flights available to me. One leaves at 7.30 and it goes via Philadelphia. You stop at Philadelphia and then it reaches New York. Second flight is at 9 o'clock and it's straight from Richmond to JFK. So even though the paths are different, I may identify my path by the time the flight departs. If I leave at 7 o'clock, I'll be going via the path of Philadelphia. If I live at 9, I'll, be, I'll go straight to New York. So, yatra kale tu anavruttim avruttim cha eva yogina for a yogi. So, the yogi is the operative word here. For average person, avrutti anavrutti is not in question. For him, avrutti is guaranteed, is mandatory. An average person who is a life of living in this world, considering the world is real and sansar is real, for him when he departs this state of existence, he does not have any choice but to return back. So he goes with a return ticket only. He is going to come back here in some other form. So if I take the same example, when I want to go to New York, if I decide to car to go to New York and I go to a rental place and I'm going to rent a car which I have to return back to the same destination where I started because all I'm doing is taking a break from my existence in Richmond. I'm going to go to New York for a while and come back. So I buy either a return ticket or a car which I have to return. Oh, one time I, I was actually kind of stranded at Dallas airport because the flight I was coming from somewhere ended up in Dallas only and there were no other flights were going anywhere. They, rather than coming to Richmond, he dropped me at Dallas and said, that's it. We can go any further. Tomorrow we can check it out. But I didn't want to stay there for that night. So I went to the, the rental counter and said, I want a one-way car. We have no intention of coming back to Dallas tomorrow. So I rented a one-way car, one-way rental, 
brought that car to Richmond and dropped off the car and I never went back to Dallas because my destination was Richmond. I belonged to Richmond and I was there for time being. If there was time being existence, I don't want to go back there permanently. So Bhagavan said, in this case, if you consider this is your real existence, then you want to come back here. But you consider this is your just a temporary existence. Your real home is somewhere else where there is no pleasant pain. Then you take the path of no return. You take a one-way ticket from here. And those two paths, Bhagavan said, I will describe to you which one is a return path and which one is path of no return for yogis. For those who are seeking liberation from these limitations, those who realize that this existence is not really adequate, it is not really something which is real for me. I need to liberate myself from this existence of pleasure and pain. For them, Bhagavan says there are two paths. So those two paths are then described in the next two verses. Agnihi, Jyotihi, Ahaha, Shuklaha, Shanmasa, Uttarayanam. Tatra Prayata Gachanti, Brahma Brahma Vidjanaha. Brahma Brahma Vidjanaha. The Brahma Vidjanaha, people who know Brahman, People who are aware of that supreme existence, they take this path, the path of Agni, fire, Jyoti, light, Shuklaha, which is the full moon, half of the month, Shanmasa, Uttarayanam, in six months of Uttarayanam. Tatra Prayata Gachanti Brahma Brahma Vidojanaha. Such a yogi reaches Brahman, you know, he becomes Brahman. We probably have no much question about the path of fire, path of light. But then Shukla Paksha and Sanmasa is really confusing. Because it implies that for six months' time, the people who die, they go to a path of no return and other six months, the people who were path of it. So it's almost like an equal division of people who are liberated and people who are not liberated. That doesn't sound any logical at all. But what we have to understand is the Bhagavad Gita is nothing but the essence of Upanishads, like as I call it, the cliff notes of Upanishads. And cliff notes sometimes do not do justice to the idea which are presented here. Obviously, when Gita was written, it was probably understood that this Gita will be understood by people who have exposure to Shruti or Upanishads. So these two verses are literally taken from Prasna Upanishad. In Prasna Upanishad, you have six questions. Six students approach Rishi Pipalad and ask him to give guidance for liberation. And Rishi said, you have to stay here for a year and practice tapas and brahmacharya. And then come after one year and I'll answer your question. So after the year is completed, they were worthy students. DC people are saying, 
ask questions. So first person was Kabandi Katyayana. The student's name was Kabandi. His question was very simple. When were these creatures created? Which basically means, when was this universe created? Was his question. In response to that, Pipalad gives him an exposition on the cosmology and the theory of creation. In that, he basically says, and I'll read directly from Prasna Upanishad, so you will get the gist of it. So first he said that the Lord of creation, Prajapati, had this desire to enjoy the joy of creation. So he meditated upon that idea of creation and then created two things, prana and rai. Prana, the life-giving energy and rai matter. Then he thought that these two, this pair, will create all kinds of creatures for me. That's the beginning of the creation explained by Pippalad to Kabandi. And then he says, the Lord of creation is in truth, is the time of the year. There are many other verses, but I'm just going straight to the Shanmasa, the six months. So the Lord of creation in truth himself is the time. Now in this analogy, the Lord of creation is the sun. The sun is the life-giving energy and moon is the matter. He explained that the pair which is created is the life-giving energy and matter, which will then create all the beings and creatures. So anything related to sun is nothing but life-giving energy. And he said the Prajapati himself is the sun. So the Prajapati himself is the life-giving energy called prana here in this Upanishad. The Lord of creation is in truth the time of the year. Time of the, the year. This has two parts. Way of the south and the way of the north. Those who worship thinking, we have done sacrifices and pious works, attain only the regions of the moon and return to life and death. The region of the moon, the region of matter. One who thinks that all I have done is good work in life, doing good is good enough. I don't have to do anything else. As long as I do good things in life, it's good enough. So this opening says, for them, those who worship thinking we have done sacrifices and pious works, attain only the regions of the moon and return to life and death. This is why those sages who desire children and the life of the family follow the path of the south. This is the path that leads to the ancestors. In other words, the path of south, it just signifies the lower path where you consider this world of matter is real. Materialistic approach to life is de described as the southern path. Those who in search of the inner spirit Follow the spiritual path of the north with steadiness, purity, faith, and wisdom. Attain the regions of the sun. And there is the ocean of life, the refuge supreme, the land of immortality, where there is no fear. From there they do not return again. It is the end of the journey. There is a verse of the Rig Veda that says, and then, Rishi Piplad even quotes a verse from Rig Veda. In other words, this is not my idea. This is 
a proven fact described in Veda. That there are two paths. The identification of the world of matter, considering the world of matter is real, then you're returning back to the world of matter. Considering the world of consciousness is real. The consciousness is the only reality. And identifying with that, that yogi does not come back. That's the path of not. So anything which is brighter is associated with a path of consciousness. Anything which is darker symbolically is associated with path of return to the material world. That's how Prashnopanishad describes this verse. So these two verses are literally summary, a cliff notes of Prashnopanishad, first chapter. There are five other questions, but the first question was where these creatures come from. We'll stop right here. If you find this podcast helpful, please support it by donating any amount by going to the episode's website at neilbutt.podbean.com or at chinmayarichmond.org. Thank you. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschit Dukkha Bhag Bhavet Om Shantihi 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Hiyo